The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always check us out online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com for initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about coffee and tea. Friend or foe? I have heard a lot of mixed reviews recently on whether or not individuals thought that coffee and tea were healthy. And if, I mean, there is more content to the show than just this, but the answer is it can be both. So what I want to do is be able to navigate through what are you looking for? When you're looking for healthy coffee that can benefit you, why is coffee beneficial? But then too, not all coffee is beneficial. So what are we looking for? Whether it be mycotoxin-free, shade-grown, why those things make a difference in the way and how you feel when you drink it. Bagged tea versus loose-leaf tea. Is there a difference? Are there benefits to tea? can tea be detrimental to your health? And so what are you looking for when you're making these choices? So my goal for today with Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne is that we have the ability that after you listen, when you go out to buy coffee or buy tea, you know what to look for and why these things can be beneficial for your health. So that is the goal today. Coffee and tea, friend or foe. Now, if you've never tuned in, with uh, Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne Schluter. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter. When we're looking at something like coffee and tea and the benefit that it has, my ultimate goal is to be able to have you have the knowledge to make better decisions. I will always and very firmly say that as an adult, the worst decision that you can make is an uneducated one. So then what do we do, right? Like, well, then we have to educate ourselves, whether that's listening or whether that's reading or um, you, you have to always be a participant in growth. Whatever isn't growing is dying. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's, that's inevitably when we're looking at the big picture of things for what we do for our health. We look at the five essentials. So when we look at the five essentials, it's maximize nervous system, 
There are so many aspects of the nervous system that come into play when we're talking about health and wellness. Your brain, some in spinal cord are what control every single cell, organ, and tissue in your body for your heart to beat, for your gut to heal, for you to interpret what I'm saying right now. Every single one of those messages has to be communicated totally uninterrupted. The nutritional aspect, most people know about this. This isn't necessarily a new aspect of health and wellness is saying, in order to be healthy, you have to pay attention to what you put in your mouth. Exercise, that that is one that I feel like people try to dismiss a little bit more because they don't want to do it, right? <laughs> but exercise, oxygen and lean muscle, it's an important component of health. Reducing toxicity, mindset, it's a huge aspect. I feel like in the last several years going through a pandemic, has really opened up individuals' eyes on on what stress can actually do to an individual. And so that aspect, again, I feel like is really important to pay attention. But overall, just really making sure that with these five essentials that we, we come together to be able to realize like this is where health comes from. It's not one. I will never forget. I had a, I had a patient. He is was a radio listener. So if you're listening um, and you say, I wonder if she's talking about me right now. I am. <laughs> so he juiced every day, juiced every single day and had for years really good, healthy fruits, healthy vegetables, organic didn't go a day without some fresh juice but he smoked like two packs a day <laughs> and he said but I'm being healthy and I said you can't pick and choose the essentials that you want to do you have to to work on all of them now does that mean we have to be perfect in all of them no but that is definitely one from an aspect of health and wellness if you say hey I'm juicing and I'm exercising but I smoke two packs a day are you really achieving the health that you could and should and the answer to that pretty candidly is just no so the aspect of health and wellness that we have to really ultimately pay attention to so uh today we're going to talk about coffee and tea friend or foe but before we jump into that let's touch base on some news Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Maybe Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar Protesters a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government. Today's Health in the News. <laughs> Homemade baby food contains as many toxic metals as store-bought options, report says. Now, guys, remember why I do this health in the news is because there are aspects of things that I agree with. And there are other aspects of the news that I don't agree with. So let's just preface with this and I'm going to go through and say I don't agree with this article. We'll kind of touch base on why. <sighs> um, I It's... <sighs> It's hard for me to even read this without interrupting myself because so much of this I think is so wrong in so many aspects. Now take note, I made all, I have three kids, I made all of their baby foods and not <laughs> like from scratch, I made all of their baby foods. So of course I'm going to be a little bit biased, but there's a reason why I made all of their baby foods 
And what's so interesting about it is just even looking at it. <laughs> it's, anyways, so this is their article from CNN Health. Making baby food at home with store-bought produce isn't going to reduce the amount of toxic heavy metals in your food your baby eats, according to a study released exclusively to CNN. We found no evidence to suggest that homemade baby foods made the store-bought produce made from store-bought produce, excuse me, are better than store-bought baby foods when it comes to heavy metal contamination. Um, researchers tested 200 foods bought at stores and farmers markets across the United States, including grains, fruits, vegetables, snacks, teething food, and family items that babies eat, such as cereal and rice cakes for lead, arsenic, mercury, and cadmium. Those heavy metals are among the World Health Organization top 10 chemicals of concern for infants and children. Toxic metal exposure can be harmful to the developing brain. It's been linked with problems with learning, cognition, and behavior, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Research also uh, looked at data from additional food testing from the FDA. Uh, research results showed 94% of manufactured baby food, family foods, and homemade purees made from purchased raw food contained detectable amounts of one or more heavy metals. Lead was found in 90% of manufactured baby foods by shoppers, 80% of store-bought family foods and homemade purees. Right, there's no level for safe lead. Anyways, they go on to talk about all of the different ones, and they say, does buying organic help? And they say, well... It's the soil and water that's contaminated with arsenic and other heavy metals. So it doesn't matter if it's organic or traditional farming methods. I disagree with this. Um, that would apply to local crops. However, I agree with this. Buying organic can help avoid other toxins. And the new report did not consider such as herbicides and pesticides. There are other benefits to eating organic foods, including reduction in synthetic pesticides that are known to be bad for babies, if not even more problematic, right? So they're like, we are going to agree. We've seen multiple studies show significant effects of synthetic pesticides, it's like glyphosate, Roundup, they spray on this. We've seen multiple studies show significant effects of synthetic pesticides on cognitive function in children as a result of prenatal exposure, right? Which means, mom, what you put in your body pregnant matters. We've seen images of the brain where certain parts are smaller that are crucial for higher order functioning after exposure. A simple step would simply be to say eat organic because regardless of anything we're talking about this report, it's good for you. I was like, oh, that's good. Experts agree that battling toxin in baby food is a job for government organizations who will need to work with growers, suppliers, and manufacturers to institute regulations and safeguard. In the meantime, parents can make a difference. They're like, just decrease some of the rice-based snacks is what it comes down to. Um, so they basically went through what is highest in terms of heavy metal. Some of the highest counts of heavy metal is spinach and dried fruit, sunflower seed butter, crisped rice cereal or brown rice, unless cooked in extra water, grape juice, which kids should not be drinking anyways because it's void of nutrient value and incredibly high in sugar, oat rings, rice puff, rice-based teething biscuits, rice cakes. Some of the lowest, bananas, apples, oranges, watermelons, 
um, green beans, peas, butternut squash. They talked about um, making sure that your water is tested for lead. So if you're using like conventional tap water to make baby bottles, um, chilled cucumber spears, frozen bananas. And so it's one where um, they talk about avoiding and limiting mostly rice-based because arsenic is so high in rice products. Rice cakes, rice puff, crisp rice cereal, um, those are all ones. Arsenic's a natural element found in soil, water, and air. And because rice is grown in the ground, that's where it becomes higher. So really, that stuff is all nutrient void anyways. So it's one that we try to steer away from. Uh, Arsenic obviously affects IQ. Here's what I thought was interesting. They did actually interview the other side of this. They say shoppers in Tennessee and California found the opposite. Their fresh produce had minimal levels of heavy metals compared with the manufacturer food brands they, they bought. Basically, they said, if you are protecting the basic ingredient that parents are using to make food at home, um, you're protecting all people. Babies in utero are particularly vulnerable to toxins while the brain is growing at such a rapid pace. That happens as kids, too. Um, So they talked about maybe just choosing different brands. Here's what I will tell you. When I made baby food, there's a couple different things. One, we chose organic. So no, I didn't have the ability to test toxic heavy metals. But when you look at these, if we're going to go off of this article, they said basically from an amount wise, it's the same if you get store bought or if you make it at home. Okay, so in my, you know, uneducated mom, educated doctor mind, if you're telling me that, hey, it's no different from a heavy metal value, what I can tell you is from a nutrient value, it is wildly different. If you ever saw the big vats that they like steam, oversteam, the peas or the green beans or the broccoli that I made from a food standpoint were vibrant. Like it was just this green, like no others. I took organic peas. I lightly steamed them. I added some seasoning and flavoring, right? That's why babies get so picky as they get older about flavors and textures because there's no, there's no added flavor. There's no added texture. There's no added fats, right? There's no trace minerals often that come with that. They overcook it. Then they blend it up into this thin mesh that has really no flavor where every time I made the baby food I made it a little bit thicker more consistency more texture when I tell you that I have three kids all under the age of 10 and they eat exactly what we eat every night there is not one unless it's like super spicy then that is a time that I would make them something different because I will respect their spicy palate. But other than that, they eat everything that we eat. What we eat is healthy. And so when we're looking at different types, when we're looking at different flavor profiles, it's so interesting because we have created not picky eaters. And that's what the standard does. And when I, I just, I wonder there, you know, there's different 
areas where they say, yes, well, they all have vitamin C or whatever. And you're like, it's not the same amount of vitamin C. My kids were picky enough that when I tell you that they actually would not eat store-bought because they didn't like the flavor, I was one of the happiest moms ever. Now, did it create a little bit more work for me? Yes, but I valued the the benefit of what I could put in that food to serve from a nutrient standpoint from their growing body. You know, green beans are this like brownish green, like blah, where our green beans tasted like green beans. And I was able to put a healthy fat in there. I put um, garlic in there to give a flavor. And so it wasn't just this plain green bean. Was it overpowering? No, but it was just enough to give a taste. So they were used to experiencing spices. Like I don't know why in our culture, and then we can't figure out why kids will only have like macaroni and cheese and fruit loops and like one other thing and it's just like because we give them all and the things that have vegetables in them from a pre-made standpoint of baby food typically have a fruit as number one and so in one of those little pouches no wonder kids you're like oh yeah my kids like them that they won't eat green beans why because it's not green beans and pears it's not green beans and bananas. It doesn't have this super high glycemic index fruit on the front end of things. And it teaches their palate that they don't need something sweet every time they eat. And so when I see an article like this, my, my the sad part of it is that someone's going to read this title and think, oh, if it's the same, then maybe I won't put in that extra effort. And I tell you, if you're a mom, a dad, you know, grandma, grandpa, caregiver, it is one from a standpoint of growth nutrient density, palate diversity, it's so important to give to babies, regardless of what a CNN article might say. So be confident in how where you stand for your kiddos and know you're doing really, really great things. Now when we come back, coffee. What is shade grown? What is mycotoxins? Is there a benefit to them? And we'll talk about it next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at Freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good coffee, strong Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. Greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we're talking about coffee, friend or foe. <laughs> Oh, I got to thinking about this because I had a friend the other day who said, I I was drinking coffee and it didn't feel good. And it just got me thinking that there are, <laughs> I was going to say black or white, uh, black or cream. It's not black or white when it comes to coffee. But there's a couple things that we can look at to ensure. Now, coffee itself actually has quite a bit of added benefits. Now, a couple caveats to this. One is that 
it has to be organic. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But then too, what I see so much is it's not the coffee. It's what you're putting in the coffee as well. So we take something really good, like coffee that has tons of health benefits. And then we downplay it with this bastardized version of it. And then we're, we want to blame the coffee, right? Like, oh, coffee's not good for you. No, your triple frap cream, like it's syrup. It's not actually coffee. And so there are a lot of really, really good benefits when it comes to coffee. So one, be aware. The sugar that you're putting in, the creamer that you're putting in, which mostly is chemicals and rancid oils, so it's incredibly inflammatory, is a problem. Uh, The syrups are full of sugar. And so what we're putting in our coffee isn't doing us a very great job. So when we talk about coffee, there are, here's the other thing. One, the amount of coffee that you're drinking. Let's talk about that too. Oh, I drink coffee. Yes. How much? A pot. That's too much. That's too much. What made my eyes opened to milligrams in terms of caffeine uh, is when I was pregnant. So they typically advise pregnant women to stay underneath 200 milligrams of caffeine. So that would be about one to two cups. Real cups, not 20 ounces, not the big old Yetis you refill twice, like an actual cup. And not those giant, like a cup, right, guys, the old school coffee cups. So when you're having, you know, a pot, then you're consuming just a ton. The FDA recommends for the average person no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine. I would say the average energy drink too is like between two and 250. Um, so the amount of coffee that you're drinking is a problem. The other part too is the time of the day I find people are drinking coffee. You know, too much coffee has a negative effect on your cholesterol can have a negative effect on your sleep cycle why well because you had a cup of coffee at 4 p.m i'm not sensitive to coffee i just don't sleep well stop for me personally i have a rule it's called no caffeine after 11 a.m sometimes i'll flirt with 12 but it never does me well i'm always like eight o'clock i'm like why why did i do that and it's so but also people know as well with uh, rhythmic heart function, too much can have a negative effect on your cardiac rhythm. Here's what we do know about the benefits of coffee. Number one, coffee can actually improve your cognitive function. It improves physical performance and it can have a positive effect on your mood. Though there are, there are some unforeseen or unexpected benefits of coffee that the average person doesn't know is that um, it actually has a potential to decrease all-cause mortality. Now, again, this is not the coffee that you get with uh, the extra bells and whistles on it. This is like coffee, plain black coffee, not with all the stuff. People ask me how I drink my coffee. How I drink my coffee is I put a splash of either organic half and half or organic heavy cream 
like heavy whipping cream. <laughs> I have it. It's like a staple at my house for just a little, little splash, right? Like good healthy fats. Um, and then sometimes I'll put in a drop or two of the liquid stevia, but oftentimes not. And then I put collagen in it and two scoops of collagen powder. And that is how I do my coffee. Simple, easy, not too fancy. It can help with, um, it has a hepatoprotective, so it's actually protective to the liver. I think it's really interesting. I was having a conversation the other day with an individual about about coffee enemas, which if you've never, like everyone's probably familiar with what an enema is. And a coffee enema is just like it sounds. It is an enema with coffee. It is often very common with a more natural approach to cancer prevention and cancer treatments like Gerson therapy because your liver is what uh, harbors a lot of toxins. So it's designed to help filter out toxins, but oftentimes it can become congested. So it helps actually stimulate the liver to help excrete the toxins. If you've talked to anyone who's actually done it, not that they necessarily are super large fans of doing enemas, but everyone that I talk to say they feel so good afterwards because the body's ability to help purge itself of toxins. It can help not only lower your risk of gallbladder, this is coffee, but also lower your risk of kidney stones. It can give you an anti-cancerogenic effect, um, it actually, too, they found from a acute mentality standpoint, can lower your risk of dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. So all research-based when you find. So there are benefits of coffee. How much? When you drink it? And then, two, what I find what you put in it are important. But what me, most people don't know is the type. So organic is very important. Coffee beans are one of the most sprayed um, foods that there are. Foods relative, right? In terms of of beans. So organic is one of my top priorities when I look for it. Because you think you're you're crushing the, they're sprayed directly on the beans. You're crushing them up. And then you're putting hot boiling water. Like, What do you think is going to happen to those chemicals? You consume them. And so if you're consuming all of those chemicals, it would make sense to me that you didn't necessarily feel as great when you have it. Now, what if you say, but my coffee is organic? I started, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. So um, uh, it was probably a couple years back that I started looking at why mold and mycotoxin-free coffee is a necessity. And it was following, I was at breakfast with a handful of friends after church on a Sunday. And I was sitting there, it was my first and he was little, this had to be like several years ago. And they're like, Leanne, what's wrong with your face? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, what's wrong with your face? And I kind of felt a little bit off, but he didn't think much of it. So I went to the the restroom and I looked in the mirror. And like one eye was like kind of squinty and my lips were like pursed, like together. Like if you were to like suck out of a straw. But I couldn't make my face. 
I couldn't make my face go normal. And I am like, I don't know. And they're like, well, you know, what have you done today? What have you ate or drank today? And I was like, I mean, the only thing I really had, like, I just had a black coffee from church. And I'm pretty sure, um, you know, I, I struggled with allergies a lot as a kid, and I, it doesn't really bother me anymore. But that is the day that I started to do a deeper dive with mold on coffee beans. And I'm pretty sure looking back on that now, it is because uh, there was likely some mold in there uh, in the beans, right? So most coffee beans are breeding ground for mold. Um, it is found on the inside of either coffee roasters in the machines where the beans are processed, or mold can grow on wet, damp coffee beans, and even on dry beans that were stored in human pla- humid places. So this is one that's really important that um, when we're looking for a coffee bean, that not only do you choose organic, but it's processed and certified mold and mycotoxin free. So when we talk about mycotoxins, mycotoxins um, are produced by mold during the drying process, and they can cause a variety of health problems, headaches, nausea. So especially, too, if you have asthma, allergies, hi, uh, old allergies that can be triggered, um, this was one for me. So when we talk about, like, the process of them, it's actually – It's very interesting. So first, coffee cherries, if you will. They're kind of uh, encapsulated into what looks like a cherry. They're harvest when ripe. And then they're taken to undergo one of two types of processing, either wet or dry processing. In wet processing, the cherries are submerged. Cherries, quote unquote, cherries are submerged in fermentation tanks to dissolve like the mucilage around the bean. Takes about 12 to 48 hours. The bean is then rinsed and spread out and put in tumblers to dry. In dry process, the oldest form of processing coffee beans, the cherries are spread on a platform and left to dry in the sun. It takes a few weeks for the cherries to dry out and uh, are ready for storage and milling. The cherries are raked and turned throughout the day to prevent spoiling and then are covered at night to protect them from the rain. After the beans have reached 11% moisture in either processing methods, they are then uh, milled. So they are hulled, polished, grated, and sorted. At this point, it's called a green coffee bean because the beans haven't been roasted yet. The green bean is distributed around the world. And when they're roasted, um, that's where they turn brown, right? It's actually cooked. Uh, If the coffee is decaffeinated, this means that the green coffee bean has been warmed and soaked in liquid to remove 97% of the caffeine. Decaffeinated coffee has about 2 milligrams per cup, where a regular one has about 95 to 100. So this is one where um, uh, mold spores grow in the coffee because of the complicated process. So, um, you know, most of the time when you're looking at it, this is like the, I mean, and there's, there's a decent amount. Aflatoxins, it's often what is, uh, can be in like peanuts as well, where people have that. Um, so there's just types and types and types. So that's one where anytime you can 
gets less, right? Like it's it, not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be perfect. But if you can get mold free coffee, that's the best. Now, what about shade grown? So shade grown is another aspect of coffee. So organic, mycotoxin free and shade grown. So shade grown versus sun grown. Why does it matter? So when we understand more about shade grown, uh, it really is just kind of how it sounds, right? Shade grown is grown in the shade. Sun grown is grown um, in the sun. So what's interesting is if you look, is that um, these trees can be up to like 35 meters in height, these like big shade trees. So a benefit of shade grown coffee is it reduces soil erosion. So um, the soil erosion from sun exposed farms has caused coffee farmers to have to cut down more trees and areas in order to have a fresh start, but it's not sustainable. Um, I think the biggest aspect on why I choose it, well, one, let's talk about the, like, they talk about a lot about the ecology in terms of uh, the abundance and diversity of birds for the coffee plants because birds can drive away unwanted pets pests from harming the coffee plants so they actually um, are really beneficial for that Um, though that being said what happens when we talk about uh, sun-grown and why people would move to sun-grown is because um, they just grow faster coffee farmers are able to plant sun-grown crops at a higher density which um that increases and incentivize one it incentivizes them to cut it down but it's faster right so when there's an increased demand from a consumer in the coffee market um, they look at utilizing more of the sun-grown method to increase their output of coffee Um, but here's the other thing they have to use more pesticides when it comes to sun-grown reason being is because um, shade-grown coffee reduces um, the amount of, so the sun that hits the bean erodes it faster, so bugs eat them more, so they have to spray it more. And so that's why they actually have to treat it more. Now, besides all that, ecology is important. The other thing is that uh, since shade-grown is slower, it matures at a slower rate than sun-grown coffee. It develops more natural sugars, which actually can enhance the flavor. The slower process also minimizes not only the caffeine content, but also the acidity of the coffee. So that's what gives a smoother taste and there's less negative effects on the body, such as jitters and stomach aches. So um, it's just a slower process. But I will tell you the lower acidity, it's friendlier on the stomach than the sun grown. And it's oftentimes it just results in a higher quality bean than than anything. So those three things. Now, if you're doing decaf, just a side note, you want to make sure that it is the caffeine is removed by the Swiss water method. I don't have a lot enough time to dive down all the way into that today. But if you are looking for what to look for, organic, shade grown, mycotoxin or mold free also don't fill it with a bunch of crap (laughs) now when we get back what about tea friend or foe 
You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Just a young gun with the quick fuse. I was uptight, want to let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and want to leave my own life behind. Not a yes, sir, not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. 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 Feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or schedule an appointment online, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com, to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today we're talking about coffee and tea, friend or foe. I feel as if people have demonized coffee more than they have tea. Here's what is very interesting. There are um, good and bad (laughs) that come with tea as well, just like anything. So here's what I feel as if the average person doesn't know about tea. So some of the newer tea bags have plastic bags, which they're like, it's not plastic bags, like a sandwich bag, right? Because of course, but um, they're often pyramid shaped. And they are, they're, they're cool looking, right? Um, they're commonly made from food grade nylon, or polyethylene terephthalate, PET. And they are two of the more safe polymers in terms of leaching potential. Um, but both of them, and they, they both have high melting points. But there's another temperature point to consider in these plastics. And it's glass transition temperature, also known as TG. And that is the temperature at which the molecules of material begin to break down. So the TG material is typically lower than the melting point. So for example... The TG, which is the glass transition, the point in which molecules begin to break down for PET, is 169 degrees. And of nylon, it's 116. So since water boils at, no, 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 you remember? Remember what? No, no, no one does? I didn't either. Uh, it's 212 degrees Fahrenheit, by the way. Um, it's a major issue because that glass transition point the point in which molecules of material begin to break down um, is exceeded. So, and you're like, okay, well, good thing I don't get all those really fancy ones. Um, here, I stay away from those those ones. I get the other flat ones. They're less fancy. Um, but in those paper bags in order to prevent them from disintegrating or tearing most of them are treated with epichlorohydrin a compound mainly used in the production of epoxy resins that's considered a potential carcinogen by the national institute for occupational safe 
uh, safety and health. Epichlorohydrin is also used as a pesticide. So what happens when this comes into contact with water, it hydrolyzes, quote unquote, like per speaking. Um, it's basically science speak for decomposes. A known carcinogen that has been linked to infertility, suppressed immune systems. So there's issues, then it comes to these bags. So you might say, hey, this tea is organic. And you're like, well, that is wonderful. But my question is, well, what about the bag? Right? Is the bag that they do. So that's kind of the problem that I see a lot of. It's the same thing. You take really great organic mycotoxin shade grown coffee, and then you put it through a white bleached filter. You're taking scalding water and putting it through a bleached piece of paper. Guess what you are likely drinking? So those are just aspects on what to do. So when you're talking about, well, that's not the greatest. It's funny when I was looking at kind of the faux aspects, right? Like tea, friend or foe. Same just as anything. Things are highly, highly sprayed. So organic is one of the most important. Though with that, what I found so much of is that, you know, the pesticides that are in your tea, celestial seasoning, for example, those are probably the more common one that you'll ever see at the grocery store, has been issued multiple letters issued by the FDA regarding the poor quality in its tea ingredients. Um, after its wellness tea line, the carcinogen and developmental toxins was classified as human carcinogen based on the appearance of intestinal tumors in animals. Um, same thing with Tivana, right? So everyone kind of knows about that. I'm pretty sure that's the line that's in Starbucks as well. I'm um, just throwing lots of people under the bus today. Um, they found Tivana was tested by a research group where 100% of the teas were found to contain pesticides, 100%. And the label also found that 62% of the Tivana teas contained endosulfins, a banned pesticide in the U.S., China, and 144 other countries because it's been linked to impaired fertility and damage to the um, agricultural workers. The other thing I'll see is that there are different artificial flavorings right you're like this tastes wonderful and we know that you know like what is tea and tea is typically herbs that are seeped in hot water right i'm not sure that that's the exact like like scientific answer to what tea is technically um but here's one that i found that i'm like oh my gosh because you can have really great tea like so what are some aspects because i do drink tea um especially if i Trying to drink less wine in the evenings, I replace it with tea. So um, what can you do? And so looking at organic tea, because oftentimes those organic teas are going to have just organic ingredients. And so it's a good, better, best scenario where, you know, looking at their, and I do, um, I do loose leaf tea. And then you can go on, I don't know, you can go online and I have, it's like a little ball that clamps and it just like take a little scoop, boil water, put it in, let it seep for a couple minutes and I pull it out. So really it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Just like a stainless steel mesh um, that you catch it in and you let it seep. But I was looking at uh, a website and um, <clears throat> so it was the 
like top sellers on their tea. This is the nationwide brand. I don't know that they have storefronts or not, but one of their top sellers, a best smell seller, smeller, <laughs> a best seller is s'mores chai. And I'm like, okay, so let me look. I feel like that sounds like it would likely be, and it, it didn't disappoint when this is exactly what I'm talking about. Here are the ingredients in the tea. The first ingredient is tea. The second is brittle pieces. Brittle pieces are comprised of sugar, hazelnut, and invert sugar. Second is cinnamon. Third is one, two, the fourth is sugar. And then the next one is marshmallow, which is sugar, corn syrup, modified cornstarch, gelatin, sodium hexametaphosphate, blue chemical dyes in these marshmallows right because blue um gives it more of like the white coloration it's the same reason why in frosting uh white frosting oftentimes bakers will put blue dye in it chocolate chips right chocolate chips are in your tea this is a bestseller cane sugar uh cocoa liqueur cocoa butter natural and artificial uh flavorings and so we're like tea's so good for you and you're like hmm Let's revisit. Some tea is good for you. Not all. And you're like, does it taste delicious? Probably. It probably does, but it's also full of chemicals. So when you're looking at, you know, and then on top of that, the other problem that I see is that we just pour an absolute ton of sugar in it, right? Just a ton of, of additional sugar. Um, what's another one that we can look at through here? Hmm. Mango fruit punch tea. Let's see what this has. Right? So ingredients. Oh, gosh. It's all okay. Oh, no. Oh, goodness gracious. So the first, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I'm navigating through this for the first time on the radio. The number one ingredient is candied pineapple. Literally, it's pineapples and sugar. Second ingredient, candied mango. Ingredients, mango and sugar. Orange peel. Third, artificial. Mango and pineapple flavoring. And then it's got beetroot, strawberries, uh, tangerine, and marigold blossoms. You're like, how is that even considered a tea? Marigold blossoms would be what you would put in there to like consider it a tea. And it's the last ingredient on there. So that's just when you're looking at the different types. Not all teas are created equal. There's a lot of really great medicinal um, effects that you can have I think it's just evaluating what type of tea that you're getting the ingredients what you're seeping that tea in all have a really big bearing about the health and wellness that you're going to get from that tea so what are some benefits there are actually a lot of really great health benefits. So white tea, for example, research shows that it might be the most effective tea in fighting various forms of cancer thanks to its high levels of antioxidants. Chamomile tea helps reduce muscle spasms, improve sleep, relaxation, reduce. Peppermint contains menthol, which soothes an upset stomach, can constipation, irritable bowel, morning or motion sickness, also headaches or migraines. Ginger helps to fight against morning sickness as well, can be used to treat chronic indigestion and help uh, relieve joint pain caused by osteoarthritis. Hiccabus lowers blood pressure and fat levels, improves overall liver health, can um, stave off cravings for sweets. Green tea, high in flavonoids, um, can help boost heart health by lowering bad cholesterol, reducing blood clotting. Studies have actually shown that this tea can actually help lower blood pressure, triglycerides, and triglycerides in total cholesterol. Other research has found that it's possible to impact liver, breast, prostate, colorectal cancers. 
Um, right. Now, now, granted, did I also see research about this guy who drank 16 cups a day and it had an effect on his kidneys? Yes. Listen, people, all in moderation, right? Like, make good choices, do good things. You don't need to be drinking a gallon plus of tea a day. So get it together. <laughs> all in moderation. So there are a lot of good benefits. So the conclusion, friend or foe, it's all what you do. It's how much sugar you put. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Is sweet tea good for you? No. No, it's not. I worked at Cracker Barrel and I made sweet tea. I know how much sugar goes into like three gallons and it is absurd. It is absurd how much. So that is the aspect of just getting back to doing what we know, making good choices, and making educated decisions for coffee and tea. In a good, better, best scenario, there's definitely best, but it's what you take and what you do to it. So thanks for tuning in, listening to Maximize Your Life. Look forward to next week, but always remember that your power is on. <laughs>